Hey everyone, before we get into today's podcast, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community board, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Thank you for everyone that has tuned into 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. We're getting closer to the one-year anniversary. Had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders and certainly hope it has been beneficial. In addition, thank you for all the support you have provided on the book that was recently published, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. It's a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are, you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. Paperback, ebook, and audiobook are now available. Check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamic specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back to give back to not only those individuals that want to get in this business, but for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. There are many ways to work your way up in this industry, certainly into a leadership role. We have had a lot of great guests thus far that have talked about their journeys, and I'm excited to have our next guest, as he actually delayed getting into the sports business for a while, worked his way up through the minor league level, and now into a new role with NASCAR where they're setting industry standards. Our next guest is the Senior Director of National Consumer Sales and Strategy for NASCAR, Ryan Shelton. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Travis. Excited to be here. Ryan, certainly appreciate your time and look forward to our conversation and certainly what you and the team are doing with NASCAR. And, you know, let's start from the beginning. You grow up in Owensboro in western Kentucky and really always had sales in your background from cutlery to cards to cars to vacuums. Like what early on in your life really helped lead you down the sales path? Uh, well, Travis, I think uh, you know sales was very important to me because I grew up in a very low income background. I was in you know government subsidized housing at one point. You know food stamps. Uh, you know my mom I was, had a single mom who worked two jobs, and uh, very early in my life, it clicked, I mean, I'm talking like elementary school. It clicked with me that I could take this thing and sell it to someone else and make money, and that was always a, I, I started to realize that a way to advance in life. Uh, not just professionally, but just to in order to elevate my entire life and experience, uh, sales was a great path for that. And you know, at that point in time, I mean, I was I was the kid with the the Kool Aid or lemonade stand on the corner. Uh, I you know came up with a a, a magazine uh, that uh, I was you know printing on a photo uh, on a, a copy machine 
uh, in the fifth grade and selling it to my classmates, making making an easy 20 bucks a week uh, on that big money back then. And uh, you know, moved on to selling sports cards at a flea market. And uh, really, my entire life, you know, sales was in that background, and that was a way that I was able to have. You know, the income I wanted, the discretionary income I wanted, I was able to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, go to the school dance uh, and, you know, buy the ticket for that and go out to dinner because of the money that I made selling sports cards. So I, I started to realize that that was really a, a lever that I could pull and that I controlled uh, in order to advance my life. It's crazy to think, you know, not only you're an entrepreneur back then, but now even sports cars, and we've talked a little bit about it prior, is now it's it's the big boom again, you know, during this pandemic. So I'm sure that gets you giddy a little bit. That's right, man. We were, uh, you know, spent about 10 minutes here talking about NBA Top Shot. So that's, uh, uh, you know, I think that's uh, going to have, uh, have a nice run here for the near future. Yeah, the new norm. Well, so, Ryan, you end up going to Murray State University to study finance. You know, However, due to a family situation, you actually had to leave school and, and never went back to school. But although you don't have necessarily a degree, you, you've talked a lot about in, in our relationships that you know continuous education is important, is important. So why is that so important for you still to this day? Well, I think, again, you know, sticking with the theme of, uh, you know, advancing life and uh, being able to elevate yourself, uh, I viewed – uh, you know, uh, whether it's formal education, reading podcasts like this, uh, audio books on Audible, you know, whatever platform you're consuming, uh, I view this as almost like Neo in the Matrix being able to plug in and, and you know, now I know Kung Fu. It's, there is this ability to gather knowledge from so many different people. It's a uniquely uh, human trait that we have. It's something that I feel like, you know, uh, you know almost have an obligation to uh, take advantage of. So, you know, whether it's a formal education or if it's, uh, you know, just uh, other continued learning. I think I mentioned to you last week when we spoke that, uh, you know, going through a self-guided MBA program. Uh, and it's something that, you know, really I get to pick and choose which universities I want to work with and which, uh, which courses I want to take. And I'm really doing that to find any knowledge that can help me advance, uh, you know, in my career and in my life. Yeah, and I think that's the big key, right, is, is education is always important, whether it's actually going to formalized school or, to your point, just reading, picking the brains of others, listening to podcasts, reading articles, you know, going through a self-guided MBA program is always beneficial for, for anyone's career path. So you now have to figure out your, your, your way through life. You know, you're, you're going home, you're helping your, your family out, you're now in your 20s, and it certainly can be tough for anyone, but, you know, you always stayed focused on that selling journey. So why back then did you not try to do something different? And ultimately, what made you say, you know what, I've been selling for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years now. I have a passion for sports. Let's go do this. Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, sports is what led the way for it. You know, uh, I never viewed myself as being in sales. Uh, it was uh, it was very, you know, when I look back on it, I realized I was in sales. What I was viewing as, is that I could, you know, turn this thing into money. And I was, it, was, it was a very fundamental, uh, very fundamental level. And uh, my passion for sports really is what led me, uh, into you know, sales as a career and leading sales teams. And it was, you know, I spent, uh, you know, I've said to many friends over the years that, uh, you know, I spent my 20s trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And when I was 30 years old and, you know, had some friends and family who recommended that uh, I, uh, I was living in South Florida at the time, had some friends and family recommend that I go over to a career fair uh, at uh, Dolphin Stadium for the Marlins and uh, just, really see what there was uh, available. You know, at that point in time, I had no idea what it even meant to work. 
uh, what it meant to work for us. What does this business mean? Yeah. Exactly. What jobs are there? So uh, I literally applied for every opening they had, uh, unpaid positions, game night positions, uh, any internships, everything that was available. And after a few hours uh, of doing interviews and being, you know, kind of making my way around the tables at this uh, at this job fair, um, I run into a guy named uh, Bill Makris. Uh, he was the uh, director of uh, ticket sales and service at the time, and uh, you know, he was an early mentor uh, in my career. And he was just kind of hanging out at this uh, at a table, no tablecloth, no no materials on the table. I think it looked like he was probably just kind of hanging out and uh, you know scoping the room for uh, people to talk to. And I sat down, had a had a 15 minute conversation with him, and uh, you know from there learned that he was actually there in that very undercover way, uh, looking for talent for his inside sales program. And uh, when I joined the program, I think this is a common story. Many of us have had it. Uh, when I joined, I thought I was going to be the next Theo Epstein. You know, I thought my entry into sports was going to be on the player development side, and I was going to go in through sales, and then that was going to lead me over to becoming a GM of a uh, major league team. And it took about, you know, a week and a half uh, <laughs> to realize that that was not the case. That is not how it works. And, you know, that realization hit all of us. And I think it hits most uh, inside sales reps at some point in time. But I found, you know, sort of reflecting on the rest of my life and all these other experiences that we've already talked about and realized that, you know, sales has been good to me. It's something that I feel like I had, uh, you know, some uh, ability uh, at and, uh, felt that it was something that I could leverage here, and you know, let's see where it can go. Let's let's you know, go for this ride and see where it takes me. And I think that's great advice. You know, obviously throughout your entire life, you've had a passion for for sales and passion for business. Thought you wanted to be the GM, and I think that's what we tell a lot of people that want to get in this business. Like, do what you're passionate about. If you're passionate about operations for whatever team it is. That's where you should get your internships or your first jobs because very few times you see people transfer over from the business to the operations side or from sales to marketing or finance. Like do what you're passionate about. And, you know, so from there you, you gained some great experience with the Miami Marlins, you know, it's the Florida Marlins back then. And, and you know, over the next 10 plus years, you end up being in minor league sports. So, you know, going back then, what intrigued you so much about the minor league sports aspect? Yeah, I think that uh, the the early reason for going to minor league sports was an ability to see how an entire organization operates. You know, I didn't want to be locked into one vertical. I wanted to broaden again my knowledge base uh, of an organization and uh, and see how I could advance as quickly as possible uh, by learning as much as possible and then start to maybe make a lateral move uh, later in my career. But I uh, used the minor league path as a way to climb up the ladder and then step sideways. Uh, whenever it came the opportunity to level up. So, you know, you first go to the South Carolina Stingrays, which is a minor league hockey team in the ECHL. You know, what ultimately led you to that team? Well, it's uh, actually the my first team after uh, after the Marlins was the Augusta Lynx, also in the ECHL. And I was with that team for about 100 days, uh, you know, okay. maybe a little more. Uh, it was the first team ever in ECHL history uh, to go out of business uh, during during a season. Uh, and it was it was a pivotal uh, you know uh, point in my career there. It, it was very early on, and really wasn't sure if this was a business I wanted to continue in after uh, seeing what I had seen. Uh, but some very valuable lessons that came in that environment. Uh, you know, there were uh, during that time. You know, uh, we were selling hockey in the South in the summer, yeah. and uh, there was a belief in our office that you just couldn't sell hockey tickets during that time of year. 
and uh, in that environment. And because of that, most of my most of my teammates there you know, were watching South Park on YouTube all summer. And you know they they weren't making any calls, they weren't selling the products, they weren't engaging our market. And you know I was coming in early, I was staying late, first one in, last one out, uh, you know making 100 to 150 calls a day, and uh, was moving a lot of season tickets, moving a lot of groups, and really set up a, a great Boy Scout group outing on opening night, and set up a really good uh, you know a history there and feeling that okay I can impact this you know in in that environment if you know, I don't wish it upon anyone, but being in an organization that is teetering on the edge of going out, uh, man, it makes you appreciate what you do every day. It makes you appreciate the impact you can have on the business. And, uh, you know, I honestly believe that the, the sales we had during this limited time kept the team going for a few weeks longer. I mean, I, I saw at the end of the games, you know, counting the money, seeing if we had enough to put the team back on the road. Right. And uh, so really when we got to that point that the team did fold, uh, I had, in a very short period of time, uh, started to gain some credibility. My name started showing up on some radars, and uh, and honestly, like it wasn't rocket surgery. You know, it wasn't anything. It was it was basic best practices that we all know. Uh, and I feel like I just uh, you know out hustled everyone else. And because of that, when the team folded, I had three opportunities uh, to go into other other teams within the league, and that's how I ended up uh, in South Carolina. It was really a, a good next step there and going into an environment that was uh, had strong leadership. You know, one of my uh, you know great mentors and, uh, and closest friends now, Darren Abbott, uh, was the team president there. And, uh, you know, he uh, they had a good good ownership. And I knew that, you know, the team was solid and was going to be there. So that's what led me to the South Carolina environment. And that's why, you know, Ryan, I think we talk about a lot in this business about building your brand, right? You've got to control what you can control. You couldn't control that all of a sudden, the team folded mid-season, but you built your brand as a hustler, as somebody that's going to grind, as somebody wants a career in this business to give you some opportunities. And I, I guess going back to that Augusta experience, right, first time ever in the ECHL, I mean, if we look back in the record books, probably the first to, first time or, or very few times has any team ever folded mid of the season, regardless, whether it's high school, college, or, or minors or pros. And so in this business, you know, rejection comes up, controllables, you know, come up that you just can't control, like, what ultimately made you keep having that passion to say, you know what? Because you mentioned, like, selling hockey in the South is difficult. I, you know, that was my first job selling for the Thrashers. And they moved out of the city, you know. But you then, it wasn't like you moved up into, you know, the, the tri-state area and have hockey there. South Carolina is still in the South. South Carolina is very difficult to sell hockey in. What made you stay passionate about this industry? Well, I just, I felt that if I got in the right environment, uh, that – uh, you know, seeing how I was able to perform uh, in the Augusta environment if I were in a more stable situation and uh, really just felt a great alignment uh, with Darren during the interview process uh, there uh, in Charleston. Uh, honestly, at the time, you know, I, uh, I love it. You mentioned Atlanta a moment ago. I love Atlanta. It's my favorite city. And uh, I had uh, lived in Atlanta for a few years prior to this. And I honestly felt that this Augusta situation was the universe kind of bringing me back to Atlanta. I had a great interview in Atlanta, and I, I left there planning to cancel the interview uh, in Charleston. Uh, I was going from, you know, I was in Gwinnett one day uh, with the Gwinnett Gladiators, and the next day it was going to be in Charleston. And I almost canceled the interview. And at the time, 
you know, remembering when this was, this is, I don't think I've said the time frame yet, uh, this was 2008. Like, this is, you know, at the, you know, the, the worst economy that most of us have seen prior to uh, 2020. And um, I actually had this thought process driving back to Augusta from Atlanta that, you know, hey, with the way things are going right now, I'm in this unique position of being somewhat sought after. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how sought after, but, uh, you know, at the point I felt like I was sought after. And I don't think I need – I need to respect that. I need to at least go to Charleston and see uh, see how that plays out. And when I got there, uh, one, I just fell in love with the city, uh, you know, fell in love with, uh, you know, with the group in the office and uh, really felt like, uh, you know, it was uh, aligned with the right type of thinking. So I uh, ended up uh, accepting that uh, position there. So, you know, as you accept that position, you go on and start out as a, an account executive in the sales world, and then you transition to leadership. You know, why early on in, in your sports career did you know leadership was something you wanted to be a part of? Well, honestly, I, I would say that early on, I don't know that it was uh, uh, was a sophisticated thought process. I think it, it was what's next. You know, I, I feel that I am, uh, you know, by nature a driven person, and I'm looking for what what is that next step, what is the next thing uh, to do there. So that's really how leadership uh, came about. Uh, and I think that's something that I would caution, you know, for a lot of young people in this business is to really identify what, you know, what's making you happy, what's going to make you feel fulfilled in your job, and, uh, you know, identify those things, identify where your passions are, and then try to align uh, with an employer that can help fulfill that or a position that can help fulfill that because just having another title is not necessarily the thing. And, uh, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, as my career moved on, there was a point in time that uh, uh, I was advised to really lean into uh, the inside sales program that I was developing, lean into uh, uh, recruiting and developing these young people, and uh, it could be a a good platform for a broader organization that I was in at the time. And uh, my my honest response at the moment uh, was, no, like, no, I want the person advising me was the president of the team. I'm like, no, I want your job. I want that. That's supposed, that's my goal. That's where I'm trying to get to is to be in that top seat. Cause that's what I want. And after, after about seven years in that top seat and learning a lot and being grateful and appreciative of, uh, of those experiences, uh, what brought me back to my current role, uh, is really aligned with that same conversation from, you know, seven or eight years prior. And that's what I'm doing now is, is being a part of a group of people, a group of very talented leaders here who are building out something really special. Absolutely. And, you know, after spending a year and a half with the Stingrays, you then go on to move on to the Manchester Monarchs where you end up spending three years. You're help setting growth records each and every year. And so as, as you look at your first several years, both with the Stingrays and then the Monarchs on the leadership end, what were some of your key learnings early on in your leadership career? I think the, the number one thing was as a leader, uh, you know, put the right people in the room. It's, it's amazing how much easier uh, the job becomes. There, you, know, you can start getting into nuance. You can start getting into sophisticated techniques once you get the right people in the room. But, man, you can, you can level up. Uh, in a in a in a huge way uh, by just getting the right people there. So I think that uh, you know whether it's our recruiting process, our uh, use of a DISC assessment, which I think you and I have talked about a lot. There's a there's a personality profile called a DISC that we use in our hiring, and it's been remarkably accurate at telling us who's going to find success in our program and who's going to be aligned with uh, uh, with the techniques we use. And man, when you do that, everything else becomes a lot easier. So when we're 
uh, when we're talking about those early, uh, you know, developmental years of, uh, of leadership, uh, it, it, you can really uh, look good early by just putting the right people in the room. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The guest today is Ryan Shelton, Senior Director of Consumer Sales and Strategy for NASCAR. And, you know, Ryan, from an outsider's perspective, I feel the next move really helped your, t- take your career to the next level as you go to the Salem Red Sox, first as the VP of Sales, quickly into the general manager. And so, you know, I, I guess as you look at that and, and thinking about, you know, what you mentioned early in the minor leagues, getting your hands in every vertical, did you know that quick promotion to GM was going to happen, and, and kind of why was that the right move to head to Salem? Uh, I, I didn't know the promotion was going to happen. You know, the uh, the Salem opportunity was unique. I felt like the way it was structured, uh, it presented access to uh, to some remarkable people in Boston that I'm incredibly grateful to have uh, to have worked with. Uh, but you know, I, I was reporting directly to Tim Zhu, who's now the CFO of the Red Sox. Uh, you know, reported to Sam Kennedy, who's now the president of the Red Sox, and. Uh, as far as knowing that the GM role was coming, uh, you know, I really I did not expect that at all. That was, uh, uh, you know, in my interview process, uh, I had actually committed to Sam that uh, that I would be there for at least three years as the VP of ticket sales. So that, uh, you know, I was I wanted to be able to learn and grow in that environment. Then we would look at what was next, uh, but that I was I was very committed to being in that position. Uh, when that unique opportunity came about. Uh, I actually, I didn't even apply for it. It wasn't something, I, I didn't throw my hat in the ring. I, I understood uh, that I was very early uh, in my in my time there. I was new in the market, new with the team. Uh, I had been with the team for about three months at that point uh, when the opening uh, was created. And uh, yeah, there's a story that I told uh, when I had my interview. Uh, my, my interview to become GM uh, was very much a, a, a tryout. It was almost like an, it wasn't an audition for that role. It was an audition for the next role. It was it was almost viewed as giving me practice for an eventual uh, interview to be to be a GM or president years down the road. Uh, so I was asked to come to Boston and present on what I would do if I were GM of the team. And I started my presentation talking about my time in Augusta and talking about uh, uh, the week of Thanksgiving, uh, 2008. I was at the uh, Starbucks in uh, in North Augusta, South Carolina. Uh, before heading into work, and I saw this this book uh, that was uh, just you know, it's, it wasn't a thick book, it wasn't a life changing book, it was uh, more just like a coffee table thing or a quick read, and it was called Five. Where will you be five years from today? And 
uh, this book was really just about, uh, you know, uh, setting your mindset, you know, understanding that wherever you are in your life, whatever time you, you have, uh, you, you can still achieve great things. And the key is uh, setting a goal and being able to identify where you want your life to go and then start setting yourself on a path and make, taking direct action to get there. And uh, five, you know, uh, that year I set some my five-year goals, and uh, one of those goals was to run my own team uh, within five years. At that point, every December, I would sit down and make new goals. I would reread the book, and it's, you know, it's not a very thick book. It's, uh, you know, on the, I actually have a copy of it here on the video I'll show you. It's just a, you know, it's a little thing that I've given this as a gift quick to a lot easy. of people. Yep. Yeah, quick it's a easy quick thing. A couple hours to get through it. Uh, but every year I reread it and I reset these goals and start to identify what I need to do in the next year to get one step further to that five goal. And I told this story uh, at, uh, in a conference room across the street from uh, Fenway Park uh, to, this, to this group that was going to be making the decision. And I told the story to say that I wasn't in that room because I was at the right place at the right time. I wasn't there because I was lucky. It wasn't fortunate. Uh, while I didn't apply for the position, while I didn't pursue the position, I was in that room as a natural result of a path that I had put myself on uh, five years prior. And that meeting was happening. Uh, I wanted to say for memory here, I want to say it was like uh, four years, nine months, and 27 days since mm-hmm. I set that goal to run a team. I was now interviewing to be the GM of a team. Oh, and uh, yeah. it was, yeah, so that's um, yeah, that's how that transition from the VP of ticket sales to uh, to GM happened there in Salem. And I think that the great advice from that as well is, is being prepared, you know, having those goals, you know, whether it be reading that book or just putting yourself in a position, hey, what do you want to do from five years from now? And what are you doing on a consistent basis to put yourself in a position to achieve your goals? You know, you've got to hold yourself accountable. And, you know, Ryan, you ultimately work your way up to president and general manager and spend six years with the team. You're even honored as the 2015 Carolina League Executive of the Year. And, you know, much with the minor leagues, you can't necessarily really focus on players or dynasties because many times the individuals, you know, the teams are different each year. So how did you and, and the team continue to find ways to produce at a high level on such a consistent basis? Well, Travis, I think it, it really came down to focusing on the fans and focusing on the experience. Uh, you know, at that level, you know, we're like you said, we're not capitalizing on on the talent on the field. We we were fortunate enough to see some amazing talent uh, during my years there. Uh, but uh, you know, for the local uh, member of the community in Salem and Roanoke, uh, you know, they don't know who these guys are. They're going to know who they are five, six, seven years from now. Uh, so there's uh, there was actually a moment. Uh, in time where I was speaking with uh, a prospective investor of a hockey team coming into town. And, uh, uh, you know, he had shared, uh, the, the local gentleman was sharing with the outside investor that, you know, Roanoke supports a winner. You know, you put a winning team on the field and, you know, people will turn out and that's what you need to focus on if you're going to bring a minor league hockey team to town. And, uh, you know, he looked, turned to me and said, you know, look at the Red Sox here. You know, they always have a winning team. They are, uh, you know, they focused on that. And that's, you know, that's helped Ryan build uh, build this organization here. And uh, I, I said to him, I said, you know, the, uh, I'm not sure if you've been watching the game that we're playing right now, uh, but we're in the sixth inning and we're being no hit. Uh, I said, we are uh, eight and a half games out of first place. We are, we are in last place in our division. We are having a historically bad year. Uh, our team was, you know, we had many great years and we won a championship while I was there, but we were at a point where we were having a historically bad year. And I said, guys, we're selling out Friday night. 
and we have a real good shot at a sellout on Saturday. Those two things are already stacked up. They are pre they are predetermined because of how we've already pre-sold the events with uh, with group season tickets and uh, and a strong promotion. I said uh, Star Wars Night is on Friday and Military Appreciation is on Saturday. So that's why we're going to sell out these games. It has nothing to do with what the product on the field is. So if you just identify why individuals want to consume your product and what their levers are and start to serve that, uh, it makes it all a lot easier. And that, that's a necessity in minor league sports. But it can really add to a level up uh, feature in major league sports. You know, if you are Absolutely. Yeah, if you're in a major league sport – and you take that mindset and you move the focus off of what's on the field and focus on just running your business and controlling what you can control. And then when you get that one year that you've got a great team and you're making a run for the World Series or the championship, uh, Stanley Cup, uh, then you can, like, you know, 10 exit. Right. Uh, but you've already built a strong foundation leading into that. Yeah, I think it, as you think about every type of buyer that's out there, they all have a value proposition that something works to them. And, you know, my guess, and again, I'm not a math math major by any means, but I'm guessing 75% of them have zero. Their value proposition doesn't have anything to do with wins and losses or even players. It has to do with the experience, customer entertainment, et cetera. And so, you know, Ryan, after 10-plus years in the minor leagues, you end up making the transition to NASCAR. And so, you know, I guess first with that transition was racing a passion of yours, and, and why was that the right move for you? Well, I'll say that, again, you know, when we talk about the, the value proposition, the I loved going to races. You know, I wasn't – I didn't have necessarily, uh, you know, a favorite driver. I didn't uh, – uh, you know, I wasn't a, uh, you know, a every week viewer. Uh, but uh, I grew up in western Kentucky in a small town that was – you know, has a couple of NASCAR legends who've uh, come through, and Daryl and Michael Waltrip and a lot of other drivers uh, are from there. And – uh, you know, I so I, I like to say that I grew up racing adjacent, uh, but because of that, you know, when I've gone to races over the years, whether it was in you know New Hampshire uh, at this way there, or uh, when I was in Roanoke going to Martinsville, or an opportunity to go to Talladega when I was younger, uh, I just loved the atmosphere. I love the energy uh, around the track and around the race weekend. There's so many things around the race weekend that don't necessarily have to do uh, with who gets the checkered flag. And uh, it's also an exciting environment. I, I do somewhat equate it to uh, you know, uh, to horse racing. I mean, how many people watch the Kentucky Derby uh, had researched the horses prior to watching that day? No, right. you found which name you liked best. Yep. You, know, uh, you know, this is a similar thing. You know, there's you can find which car you like best, or you know who. You know, maybe you've done some research and you have some familiarity. But the ability to enjoy a NASCAR race weekend uh, is is somewhat separate at times from uh, the actual race experience. No, absolutely. So in your NASCAR world, you start first as the VP of sales for Michigan International Speedway, where you spend about a year before moving to Daytona. And so what were some of your key learnings there in Michigan International Speedway that you still feel like you apply to your everyday? And we'll dive into what you're doing now with NASCAR. But what were some of those key learnings in the NASCAR world? Yeah, I think uh, there there were so many things that I learned in that environment. Yeah, you know, I was fortunate to work with uh, Rick Brenner there. Uh, that's who uh, you know, Rick Brenner and Nathan Blum were the two who really uh, brought me into uh, into the company, introduced me into this environment. And uh, you know, uh, it I think there were so many things we learned there from uh, both uh, you know a, a lot of the P and L things that I had dealt with on a uh, you know a, a lower level in Salem. Uh, you know, uh, Rick was able to help me with. 
on a on a whole other level as we dealt with that uh, by adding some zeros uh, to the uh, you know, to right. the dollars that we were dealing with. Uh, but uh, additionally, from there, just the way that we look at how we engage our fans on a race weekend and, and how do we bring some of these past experiences. You know, Rick has uh, experience in minor league baseball as well, so. You know, how do we how do we look at some of these ways of engaging guests on our property, whether it's uh, you know yoga in our campgrounds or you know bingo night or even uh, for uh, anyone who's who's worked in baseball and is familiar with the winter meetings, there's always a dueling pianos around somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, Michigan International Speedway, we had dueling pianos in uh, in the middle of our infield. So uh, you know, being able to do those type of things, but also looking at how to translate some of the product sales that we have from big four sports into a sport where, you know, in Michigan, for example, we had two race weekends a year. So how do we take a season ticket mindset? How do we engage our guests in the same way? How do we introduce group sales into this environment uh, with two two race weekends a year? So that was a really exciting uh, opportunity we had there to grow both of those races. And, and you certainly took a lot of that experience in Michigan International and then you know, head to Daytona. And so now to where you're currently at in Daytona, you're the Senior Director of National Consumer Sales and Strategy. So if you'll mind giving the listeners just a glimpse of, of what you and the team are building there in Daytona. Yeah, uh, we are, uh, we're building out a, an outbound sales team here and it's been, it's been a really exciting year. It's really, we're, we're just about a year into uh, into scaling, and uh, you know, it was it was remarkable to go through this process uh, during COVID. You know, as we were first starting to expand our team and build out what we're doing here, uh, it was really right when COVID COVID started. So uh, the growth slowed for a certain period of time, uh, but it also presented a lot of opportunities for us to uh, introduce ourselves and our brand. To uh, you know, to uh, a lot of uh, a lot of individuals coming out of school looking for their for their first position because we were we continued to operate through all of this. You know, we had to pivot, we had to shift, we had to respond and be agile, uh, but we were able to continue to still operate uh, through this. So the team that we're building here is uh, you know is uh, you know a large outbound sales staff that sells all of our properties. So uh, we have. Uh, we have 12 properties across the country that we're selling uh, with, I believe it's uh, 23 cup race weekends plus a few other series weekends that we have coming up. And, uh, you know, uh, our team handles all of those cross-selling across the country. Uh, so it's a really exciting opportunity that we have and an ability to impact an entire sport that really doesn't exist in any other, uh, any other sports environment. You can typically, you know, if you are in one city with one team, uh, you can have uh, you know, uh, huge sales. You can grow your attendance. You can start to sell out games and markets that don't traditionally sell out, and that's great. And there's gonna be stories written about you. Uh, you know, SBJ is gonna cover that, and uh, you know, Darren Ravel is gonna talk about it. But you're not gonna change the league in a material way. We have the unique opportunity here, uh, controlling the sales for more than half of our tracks, uh, to really make an impact on on an entire sports business. No, absolutely. And I, and I definitely want to dive into a little bit more with what you guys have built and are continuing to build. But you know, one of the things you talked about there, Ryan, is, is having you, know, you and the leadership team pivot and pivot quickly, especially during some of these pandemics. And you know, one of the many things that you guys have done in our building is that you and the leadership team are, are constantly talking about being proactive. What's the advanced planning stages look like, not only for all the races you're covering, but also what else may come up. And one of the items that you and the team built out was preparing to work from home, even prior to, to really mandated work from home. So you know, walk the listeners through that experience and kind of you and the leadership team's planning of that. 
Yeah, I think last spring we were, uh, you know, right as uh, we were starting to become aware uh, of COVID and it was starting to move from something that was happening uh, out in the world and started to become something that we started to feel could could affect us and by us as, as a country. Um, uh, we had uh, we had a planning meeting with our with our leadership team here, the uh, all the directors who lead each of our regions. Uh, it was I believe the day that the NCAA announced they were going to play with no fans, which was just shocking at the right. time. Just that you know, imagine a world in which you would play games with no fans. That's yep. that's insane. Uh, but we had a, we uh, had a meeting, grabbed everyone. We had uh, you know a couple of hours in a conference room, and I challenged the group to envision an environment where we are working from home, uh, what technology do we need, what, uh, you know, what does this environment look like, what needs to be set up. I mean, we're talking about granular things, Travis, things like just, you know, having a VPN on your laptop. Like, for the most part, none of us had VPNs on our laptops at that point. You know, getting, getting upgraded with, uh, with the WebEx platform, getting, uh, you know, the you know, headsets for our uh, reps to use remote. Uh, we were able to lay all of this stuff out and really get working with IT ahead of everything and uh, be, be set up. We also wanted to talk through, uh, you know, let's say we get to a point we can't sell tickets. You know, how do we still make ourselves valuable? How do we still right. uh, you know, show value to the organization? You know, having been in a position of managing P&L, we knew that there was going to be, I, was gonna, I knew that there was going to be tough decisions made. And I think we've seen that throughout the sports industry. So how do we show value? And how do we still engage our fans at a, for an undetermined amount of time? We, we have no idea how long until we're going to be able to come back uh, or, or come back fully. Uh, so how do we do that? So it's, uh, you know, that meeting uh, you know, see, turned out to be prophetic. And I think it was 10 days later that we started working from home. And while, uh, you know, many were you know, scrambling, getting technology, getting it in place, uh, our team never missed a day. We went home one day knowing that we would be working from home tomorrow. And the next morning, we had a 9.30 staff meeting uh, when we were first introduced to Gridview and <laughs> seeing, seeing squares everywhere. Yep, exactly, exactly. The first of many LinkedIn posts of a screen with a lot of squares on it. A lot of squares, exactly, ready to go. And, you know, throughout that point, you talked about what you guys are building, you know, even through the pandemic, you mentioned not only being proactive planning, but you've also been able to hire quite a bit. And, you know, as, as you're hiring quite a few individuals, what are some of the key characteristics you and your team are looking for? Yeah, we're, uh, I think we're, we're looking for uh, – Tenacity. You know, we're looking for individuals who uh, are not going to let themselves fail. Uh, we're looking for uh, individuals with a growth mindset. Growth mindset is very important. You know, we talked early on about uh, you know whether whether it's you know podcasts, additional schooling, uh, books, whatever it is. You know, we're looking for individuals who want to actively improve themselves and improve their lives. Uh, you know, we're also looking for people who are going to be able to. You know, run through a wall and, and deal with some some harsh challenges. You know, yep. As we've talked about, we've scaled up during a pandemic, and uh, it's uh, you know we we needed the right type of uh, makeup for an individual to be able to make it through this as a team. You know, throughout this podcast, Ryan, we've talked a little bit about you know selling in the minor league world where you don't have the dynasty or the franchise players that you're selling and you know control the controllables. Very similar, you know, in my opinion, probably with NASCAR where you're not. You know, it's one thing to sell for the home team and your home season ticket subscription, but, but you and your team, you're selling for multiple races across multiple states. And so how do you keep 
you and the team's focus and energy always moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think, you know, it does challenge us, you know, as uh, as leaders of our group, you know, we have to, uh, you know, really step back at times. You know, it can get very easy to get in the weeds or get, you know, get caught in the fire and just be chasing the, the next thing. So we do have to make intentional uh, efforts. So we, I mean, we have a daily leadership meeting uh, every day that where the leadership team takes a step back, looks at the big picture, plans out what's going to be coming weeks from now, what's going to be coming months from now. What do we need to be preparing for, and how do we how do we get ahead of things that way we're not always putting out uh, the next fire? So uh, I would say really trying to actively take a balcony view as much as possible uh, has been has been very important through this as we manage the various campaigns. As you said, we're you know, we're calling all across the country. We're calling uh, I mean we're calling internationally uh, at times, and uh, you know uh, it's we don't it's not just in our market. So that is unique. You know, it is. Uh, it also allows us pivots. You know, if there are, you know, there have been points during COVID where if there were, uh, you know, uh, spikes happening in an area or if there were conditions happening in a place that uh, that it, it was not, it, you know, we wanted to be more sensitive, uh, then we would shift uh, to another area of focus. But anything to make sure that we were continuing to keep uh, keep our eye on the future and continue to put one foot in front of the other. Absolutely. And Ryan, you know, throughout your career, you, you obviously, you got into the sports business late, but have, you know, condensed a, a really exciting career, you know, in a short amount of time. And so looking back, what has been your best memory? Yeah, I would say my my best memory would be watching the uh, South Carolina Stingrays uh, win the Kelly Cup in 2009. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were, you know, we weren't there live for it. It was one of these, it was a situation we were, we're in Charleston, South Carolina, and we're playing a team in Anchorage, Alaska, and our whole staff got together at uh, uh, Steve Ward's house, and you know, he was a, he was a great host for us. And uh, you know we got together uh, and and streamed the game. And of course, you know playing in Anchorage, it was a very very late night. But uh, seeing that type of camaraderie and really feeling like a team and that yeah. connection there, yeah. And then having that be you know being fortunate enough to win a championship uh, with a club that I worked for within my first really my first year. Uh, a little over a year uh, working in professional sports. First, that gets you the bug. I mean, the first time you get a ring, that's uh, that's a pretty special uh, special thing. But also, even seeing you know the team, you know, they immediately left the ice, went and got on a plane, and flew back to Charleston to celebrate there. So, so yeah. when our staff met at the the private party the next day, just seeing the way even like the players you know acknowledged our work and acknowledged that you know selling out games you know, it helps feed that energy and it's a symbiotic relationship and that we're all celebrating this championship together. That was, that was a really cool moment. That was something early in my career that, that really, uh, you know, hooked me early on. That, that one team, one dream mentality, which is, which is awesome. And you've had a, a great career, Ryan. It's been very cool to hear about this and, and how you continue to work yourself uh, and work your way up in the leadership career. And so to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Yeah, I am. Let's go. All right, Ryan, if you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? Man, okay, that's tough. I would say that I'm a big fan of Mad Men, so okay. I watched it many times through. So I would say fedoras and uh, and wearing suits in daily life. <laughs> you're you looking sharp today. Hey, I, I love that. I, I don't know if I can rock the fedora, but I love the suits in daily life for sure. Dude, we need to bring it back. Let's hey, do it. I, I'm in. I'm in. If if you're heading to you know a celebration bar after you know a big win like you just talked about and you have to sing karaoke, what song are you picking? Easy, this is automatic. Uh, good riddance, or as some know it, time of your life from Green Day. 
Time of your life. Nice. I love it. If you could choose two people to have dinner with, who would they be? I would say first Warren Buffett. Uh, you know, I, I study finance, and uh, you know, I'm uh, active in that space. And just to be able to, uh, you know, pick his brain or uh, you know, absorb any knowledge would be amazing. And I would say also my uh, one of my favorite authors is Simon Sinek. Uh, okay. So I think uh, you know, Simon Sinek and talking about uh, your know, leadership and just some of his worldview would be really, really interesting. Be a very interesting dinner. And to close it out, Ryan, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Uh, I would say, you know, I touched on it a lot. I think it's been a common theme as we've talked through this. So I would say, uh, you know, key takeaways, uh, set goals, review those goals, and then tenaciously pursue those goals. It's all about goals, goals, goals. Couldn't agree more, Ryan. Obviously, you know, to, to your point, no, bat, no, no different than what you talked about in, your, in the book. You know, what's your five-year plan? You're setting those goals. You're reviewing them on a consistent basis. You're holding yourself accountable. And at the end of the day, I think that the pursuing is, is most important, right? You know, put yourself in a position to be successful. And, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. You've certainly had a great career. It's, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and I really appreciate your time and expertise. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate it. Again, this is Travis Apple, and thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.